0: Greetings, and welcome to the Nordstrom First Quarter 2021 Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. We will begin with prepared remarks, followed by a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If anyone should require operator assistance during the conference, please press star 0 on your telephone keypad. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded. At this time, I'll turn the call over to Michael Mayer. Chief Accounting Officer for Nordstrom, you may begin.
1: Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us. Today's earnings call will last 45 minutes and will include approximately 30 minutes for your questions. Before we begin, I want to mention that we'll be referring to slides, which can be viewed in the investor relations section on Nordstrom.com. Our discussion may include forward-looking statements, so please refer to the slides with our safe harbor language. Participating in today's call are Eric Nordstrom, Chief Executive Officer, and Ann Braman, Chief Financial Officer, who will provide a business update and discuss the company's first quarter performance. Joining during the Q&A session will be Pete Nordstrom, President of Nordstrom Inc and Chief Brand Officer. And now I'll turn the call over to Eric.
2: Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us today. We're pleased with our results in the first quarter which were marked by improving sales momentum and continued progress in our transformation as we work to unlock the full potential of our digital first platform. As demand continues to recover, our unique product offering and connection to our customers place us in a strong position to capitalize on this opportunity, and we're confident in our ability to capture market share and drive profitable growth as consumers resume activities, including social events, travel, and return to work. Our top line trends increased sequentially for the third quarter in a row, with improvements in both Nordstrom and Nordstrom Rack, supported by recovery in stores as COVID restrictions were lifted and continued growth in digital. Sales trends reflected broad based improvement across businesses, regions, and merchandise categories, both in store and online. Stores and markets that have opened up earlier outperformed other markets by seven to 10 percentage points, giving us increasing optimism about the pace of recovery as we look to the remainder of the year. Our performance in the quarter reflects solid execution toward the growth priorities we laid out at our investor day in February. Win in our most important markets, broaden the reach of Nordstrom Rack, and increase our digital velocity. Starting with our priority to win in our most important markets, our market strategy helps us engage with customers through better service and greater access to product no matter how they choose to shop. We successfully expanded the rollout to 10 new markets, including Atlanta, Houston, Detroit, and Minneapolis over the last three months. Market strategy is now in place in all of our top 20 markets, bringing an unmatched level of convenience and connection to customers who make up about 75% of our sales. We continue to scale the enhanced capabilities we launched in 2020 like the expansion of order pickup and shipped to store to all Nordstrom Rack stores, with order pickup more than doubling compared to the first quarter of 2019. In addition, nearly one third of next day order pickup volume for Nordstrom.com in our top 20 markets was picked up at Rack stores since launch, as we continue to integrate our capabilities across our two powerful brands. We also continue to evolve our approach to get closer to our customers than ever before. This quarter, we made significant progress expanding our personalized styling programs with new tools deployed in the first quarter to allow our salespeople to offer our customers highly relevant recommendations, both in-store and digitally. More than 50% of our salespeople are now utilizing these remote styling tools, a 10 percentage point increase compared to just a quarter ago. We also introduced new live stream shopping events featuring some of our best brands, we delivered significant growth from these initiatives in the quarter and are on pace to meet our milestones for the year. Our second growth priority is broadening the reach of Nordstrom Rack. In the quarter, total rack sales declined 13% to 2019, a 10 percentage point sequential improvement from the fourth quarter. Importantly, the merchandise repositioning across price, hybrid, and brand doors is progressing in spite of some challenges, managing slower than anticipated inbound inventory flow. We remain in the early innings in these initiatives and our progress is encouraging. Increased customer choice of price oriented offerings in kids, home and active supported a 37% increase in sales compared to 2019 in these categories. With respect to our priority to increase our digital velocity we maintained strong growth at Norsham.com and Northamrac.com in the first quarter, even as store traffic and sales rebounded with increased mobility. Digital sales increased 23% over the last year and 28% over the first quarter of 2019. With continued growth in digital, our total penetration has increased by 15 percentage points over the past two years to 46%. Our Nordstrom and Nordstrom Rack apps continue to be powerful drivers of customer engagement. During the quarter, we generated over a million downloads of our apps, a more than 50% increase over the first quarter of 2019. Mobile customers, including app users, represented approximately 75% of total digital traffic and two thirds of total digital sales for the quarter. Looking ahead, we continue to enhance our digital capabilities to improve the customer experience across the shopping journey. One of the key opportunities we see is to offer our customers more choices, with plans to increase choice count to approximately 1.5 million over the next several years. This quarter, we saw ramping benefits from this initiative, with choice count increasing approximately 20% versus 2019, primarily driven by an expanded dropship assortment in both our core categories and in-demand categories like home, active, and kids. This allowed us to drive strong sales growth in our digital business without a corresponding increase in our inventory investment. We've also seen continued strong improvement in conversion, which was up more than 15% compared to 2019. We continue to deliver exciting product for our customers with some of the brands that matter the most to them through launches like our pop-in with SKIMS, and new concept shop featuring Fear of God. As we look ahead to the second quarter, we believe that our anniversary sale will be well-timed to benefit from customers' increasing confidence and return to pre-pandemic activities. The event will also mark a significant step forward in the transformation of our approach to getting closer to you. Our goal is to have an event that rewards and engages our best customers with a superior shopping experience. We are building on last year's launch of a digital catalog with personalized editorial content and product recommendations, while adding new virtual and in-store events. We will also significantly increase selection for anniversary this year, with total customer choices up double digits compared to 2019, supported by an expansion of alternative partnership models with our vendors. To ensure that we are best positioned to support our anniversary sale, We are also working with our vendors to accelerate product receipts, which Anne will talk about shortly. Overall, we are very excited about our offering and our approach to anniversary, which remains an important opportunity for us to provide a -a one-of-a-kind experience for our loyalty customers while introducing new customers to Nordstrom. In closing, coming out of the first quarter, our focus on accelerating our strategic priorities to serve customers in new and differentiated ways is gaining momentum we are in a stronger position than ever to capitalize on our market share opportunity as customer demand recovers. We're confident in our direction and look forward to sharing our continued progress in the quarters ahead. With that, I'll turn it over to Anne to discuss our financial results in greater detail.
3: Thanks, Eric. Our first quarter results represented a strong start to the year with sequential improvement in sales trends that has continued into the beginning of the second quarter strengthening of our inventory position, and continued progress restoring our balance sheet. Our performance in the first quarter leaves us increasingly confident in our ability to deliver on our financial targets for the year, despite cost headwinds. Total sales were down 13% in the first quarter, compared to the same period in fiscal 2019, representing a sequential improvement of seven percentage points from the fourth quarter. Sales trends reflected broad-based improvement across both Nordstrom and Nordstrom Rack, with Nordstrom sales improving six percentage points sequentially, and Nordstrom Rack sales improving 10 percentage points sequentially. Demand recovery benefited from increased vaccinations, lifting of COVID restrictions in many of our markets, and government stimulus payments. Encouragingly, pent-up demand also accelerated throughout the quarter as back to normal activities are resuming, including social events, travel, and return to office. These activities are driving accelerating momentum in some of our biggest categories. We continue to satisfy our customers' desire for online shopping experiences, delivering solid growth in digital, even as our store traffic and sales continue to recover. Our digital business grew 23% year over year, and 28% compared with the same period in fiscal 2019, as we continue to benefit from our efforts to unlock the full potential of our digital-first platform. From a merchandise perspective, we saw broad-based improvement across our product offering. We continue to see strength in categories that led during COVID-19, particularly active and home, where our sales are up 58% compared to 2019 levels and our penetration has increased by five percentage points since the start of the pandemic. We saw customers responding well to designer brands, spring classifications like sunglasses, swim shorts, and dresses, as well as recovery categories like denim, dresswear, makeup, and handbags. Taken as a group, these recovery categories returned to growth compared to 2019 in March and April, with strength continuing early into the second quarter. Our sales performance was supported by improvements in inventory flow, allowing us to exit the quarter with inventory decreasing 2% compared with the same period in fiscal 2019 versus a 13% decrease in sales. This includes approximately $120 million of spring and summer in season inventory that was pulled forward into the first quarter, a roughly seven percentage point impact as we made the decision to accelerate vendor shipments to support sales trends and mitigate potential supply chain backlogs in the second quarter. This reflects significant progress addressing seasonal and underperforming category inventory from the fourth quarter at both Nordstrom and Nordstrom Rack. At Nordstrom Rack, our sales outpaced inventory growth for the first time since the start of the pandemic. Across both Nordstrom and Nordstrom RAC, our inventory is current and well positioned in key categories as we prepare for the anniversary sale. Our teams are operating with continued agility and flexibility in what remains a challenging supply chain environment, ensuring we can appropriately distort inventories into high demand categories and provide our customers with the exceptional product assortment they expect from us. Looking ahead, the company is balancing inventory levels with sales while managing receipt flows to mitigate potential supply chain disruptions as the year progresses. Gross profit, as the percentage of net sales decreased 260 basis points compared with the same period in fiscal 2019, primarily due to deleverage on lower sales and lower merchandise margins as we took action to reduce elevated inventories coming into the quarter, partially offset by permanent reductions in buying and occupancy costs. While COVID-19 related demand impacts are clearly moderating, the underlying cost environment remains volatile with elevated labor and shipping costs, as well as apparel industry supply constraints, creating continued pressure. Total SG&A as a percentage of net sales increased 280 basis points compared to the same period in fiscal 2019. Great and labor challenges were partially offset by continued benefit from the permanent reductions in overhead expense of approximately 15%. We continue to make progress restoring our balance sheet closing $675 million in senior unsecured notes during the quarter at highly favorable interest rates between 2.3 and 4.25%. Proceeds were used to redeem in full the $600 million outstanding of 8.75% secured notes, which were issued in April 2020 during the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. This allowed us to return our bond portfolio to being entirely unsecured fully unencumbering the real estate used to secure the prior notes. The transaction also reduces our annualized interest expense by approximately $30 million, while creating additional flexibility for continued debt pay down with a par call feature beginning in April 2022. Based on our first quarter results, we continue to expect to deliver revenue growth of more than 25% in 2021 with digital representing approximately 50% of sales. Digital penetration is expected to vary over the course of the year depending on the pace of store recovery. We are responding with speed to manage external cost pressures and remain on track to deliver on our guidance for break-even EBIT in the first half and 3% operating margin for the full year. And we continue to see a path to an operating margin of approximately 3.5% depending on how the demand recovery and cost of play out. Our income tax rate is expected to be around 27% for the year. From a capital allocation perspective, we're planning CapEx at normalized levels of 3 to 4% of sales, primarily to support investments in technology and supply chain capabilities. We continue to expect to reduce our leverage ratio to approximately three times, and to be in position to return cash to shareholders by the end of the year. Overall, we have seen strong customer response to our initiatives to evolve our operating model, positioning us well to drive market share gains while improving profitability, returns, and cash flow generation. While there is still considerable uncertainty with respect to COVID-19, we remain confident in our ability to deliver on our targets for 2021 and generate profitable sales growth as demand recovers. I'd like to now turn it over to Michael for Q&A.
1: Thank you, Ann. Before we get started with Q&A, we are limiting participants to one question at a time to allow everyone a chance to ask one. We'll now move to the Q&A session.
0: Thank you. If you'd like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star, two if you would like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. Our first question is from Oliver Chen with Cowan. Please proceed with your question.
1: Hi. Uh, the opportunity to increase choi- choice count sounds quite innovative. Um, what should we know about how this will impact uh, your margin profile and also as you think about inventory versus sales? Uh, as you look to these alternative arrangements and flexibility, especially uh, amidst the anniversary sale. Thank you.
3: Hi, Oliver, thanks. I'm gonna let Pete talk uh, a little bit about how we're thinking about the the choice counts from an assortment offering perspective, and then I'll, I'll come back in at the end and address some of your questions about inventory sales and margin.
4: Yeah, I think the, the main thing here is the dropship model in particular allows us to expand choice count in a way that um, creates a lot of leverage for us in terms of all the work that goes with, with bringing uh, inventory in. If it was in a traditional wholesale model, that's obviously there's, there's a lot of manual effort that goes with that. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a great way for us to expand choice count. I think you're seeing that play out if we had to pick an example is in the home category where we've expanded quite uh, significantly over the last 18 months or so, and dropship's been a really important part of that. So you'll continue to see that, and it it is true as we move into anniversary, it creates more flexibility for us with our open-to-buy, too, as we uh, have a a decent percentage of that offering is going to be available in dropship.
3: And to your question about the the flow through on the p and uh, the one thing I would highlight is that we added 20% more choice counts versus 2019, uh, but our inventory investment, uh, we were down 2%. So I think that just gives you a flavor that when you don't own the inventory, you're sharing the economics with the vendor, and it really is responding to customer demand as well. So I think for, for all of us involved, it's it's really a great solution.
1: Thank you very much. Best regards.
0: Next is Edward Aruma with KeyBank Capital Markets.
1: Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for taking the question. I wanted to focus a little bit on gross margin. I know that in the first quarter, as you guys had anticipated, you were clearing out of some of the excess fourth quarter merchandise. I guess any comments on the current industry inventory situation, the promotional environment, which seems to be in check, and how that might portend as sales start to improve or accelerate for your gross margin going forward? Thank you.
3: Hi, Ed. I'm gonna let Pete talk a little bit about what's going on in the industry, uh, get some context, and then I will circle back and talk about what we're thinking about for uh, the rest of the year.
4: Yeah, in terms of uh, the pressure that gets put on gross margins for promotional activity, that's that's been relatively low uh, compared to, to recent times. And I think given the position everyone's in with the, the positive momentum around sales trends, I think we would expect that promotional activity would not be what it was, for example, say in 19,
3: it would be less than that. And as we think about um, you know Q1, we are really pleased with where we landed from an inventory position heading into uh, Q2 and in the rest of the year. Um, we uh, progressed faster than we thought when, uh, a few months ago in, as far as clearing through inventory. And so we feel like we've got a really strong offering for our customers um, that's, that's relevant um, and seasonal. The pieces to just remind you on, on our Q1 uh, deleverage was it was really related to two things. One, um, on if you look at against 19 was the sales deleverage component to it, and the other was the markdown piece. So our, we anticipate that we'll continue to see favorability uh, in the merchandise margin component uh, starting uh, in Q2 and going forward.
0: Thank you. Our next question is from Omar Saad with Evercore ISI.
1: Good evening. Thanks for taking my question. Um, I wanted to dive in. Ask if you could dive in a little bit deeper on the seven-point sales acceleration. Uh, you know, focusing on that that kind of pickup in business. Is it you know kind of compare and contrast the stores and traffic in stores versus e-commerce? Is it the older customer coming back versus younger consumers? Um, can you discern any difference between stimulus and vaccine reopening uh, as a driver there? And then categories. Maybe there's some interesting uh, takeaways there, whether it's kind of categories like return to work and return to social versus the COVID uh, pandemic wear, if you will. So diving deeper in that acceleration, I think, would be really helpful. Thanks.
2: Okay. Uh, Thanks, Omar. This is Eric. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, basically our our southern regions uh, from east to west have performed 7 to 10 percentage points uh, greater than our, our northern regions. And we find a lot of encouragement in that. I mean, those those southern stores have uh, have opened up, some from mandates and some from just customers getting out more. Uh, and, and we see that in traffic. Uh, we see some of it in conversion as well. But but there is a difference in traffic, uh, and so we anticipate uh, our northern stores will uh, will get to the same spot, and uh, we're starting to see that. Uh, you mentioned uh, categories as well. Uh, we've definitely seen a, a shift in categories. Uh, categories that uh, were really out of favor during the pandemic uh, are uh, many of those are, are starting to come back. Uh, and one of the ways that I, I think you should, uh, in looking at us, you know, we're a bit unique in our, our mix and also our, our geographic footprint. Uh, and uh, our our Big markets and uh, many of our big categories really had a disproportionate amount of headwinds during the pandemic, uh, and there's there's signs of that turning. Uh, people are starting to get out more, and people are starting to buy categories uh, to get out more. Uh, we're hearing a lot from customers about weddings uh, this summer, uh, and so it's, it's not necessarily – you know, buying suits to go back to the office in, uh, but, uh, but dresses, handbags, uh, you know, anything to, to get out. It could be to a restaurant, could be uh, on a trip. Uh, we're seeing a, a lot of, of movement there, and, and we're encouraged that the, the increasing store traffic uh, has, has not cannibalized online. Online has, has remained very strong uh, and uh, we're we're starting to see momentum across the board.
1: And anything on stimulus versus vaccine? Can you discern that?
2: Oh yeah, uh, no, we can't. Uh, it's uh, it, it's hard to to point to you know how much is uh, driven by those factors. I'm sure it's in there somewhere.
1: Thanks for the color. Good luck.
0: Next is Dana Telsey with Telsey Advisory Group.
3: Good afternoon, everyone. As you think about the anniversary sale, what are the differences that you see this year, whether whether it's relative to 2019 and you were just beginning to open in 2020, whether it's timing and how you're thinking of the promotions? And then, Anne, you mentioned the cost of headwinds. Can you unpack what you're seeing in terms of port congestion, supply chain, and the preparation for holiday in terms of orders? Thank you. Eric, do
2: you want to take the anniversary question and I can circle back on the cost piece? Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Danny, you, you mentioned to 19. Uh, I think the big difference is uh, digital uh, in there. Anniversary uh, has always been, uh, certainly in recent years, more of a digital event than other times of year. And then you add to last year where uh, it, it obviously took a huge step towards uh, towards digital, um, and and we added some digital features, particularly the wish list feature. The anniversary of last year that greatly exceeded our expectations, and our engagement there. Um, so this year we still think there's going to be uh, much more digital engagement uh, versus 19. Uh, the big difference will be stores. Uh, we'll have a lot more traffic in them than, than we had last year. And uh, those those digital features are uh, really working to, to connect them to our physical assets as well. Uh, in particular, uh, our salespeople's ability and, and the tools we have for them to do remote selling. Uh, again, we know customers, especially in the uh, discovery part of anniversary, like uh, doing that digitally, uh, and, and now our salespeople have – Uh, tools. And over half our salespeople have have been using them uh, in in the last quarter. Uh, We expect that to grow to anniversary to where uh, our salespeople can reach out to their best customers and and use these digital tools to uh, help them, help customers discover new
4: product for anniversary. Hey, Dana, this is Pete. The other thing I'd like to add there, one of the things that uh, makes us optimistic about our anniversary event this next year is just kind of where we are Relative to everything in the pandemic and the fact that fall, early fall represents a really good tipping point for people getting out there and resuming lives as they were before. For example, that could be a return to office or back to campus, and you know that that sale for us works best when it's people thinking about you know the upcoming season and getting great savings on new products. And so the the timing is really great. I think in terms of the opportunity that exists out there for people to say, okay, I've been kind of on the sidelines, maybe not buying these types of things for a while. And, and now's the time, and here's a great reason to go shop at Nordstrom.
3: Yeah, and to your question about uh, what we're seeing in more of the macro environment uh, between supply chain disruption um, and labor and freight costs, you know, I, I would just sit back and say, you know, we saw pressures in 2020 that, you know, with COVID-19, and we have got pressures in 21. They're just different. And I think the thing that we learned throughout the past you know, 12 to 18 months is that even though the environment remains volatile, we respond to it and we remain flexible and agile. So as we continue to see some volatility, we're doing things to offset and mitigate that. So for example, we pulled forward some receipts uh, from Q2 into Q1 to make sure that we had we can meet the customer demand and it was uh, there t- uh, for the customer as they were shopping and, and wanting to buy it. The second thing is that we're looking, you know, at ways to offset some of the cost headwinds that we have. We're pulling uh, a lot of levers in place on that, uh, and, you know, as we went through our guidance even a few months ago, we contemplated a lot of scenarios out there, and so, you know, we, as part of this, we we are, you know, we contemplated puts and takes, and this is, we're responding to what we're seeing in the macro environment around that.
1: Thank you.
0: Next is Matthew Boss with J.P. Morgan.
1: Great, thanks. Thanks. Um, Eric, maybe in terms of where your top line stands today, relative to 2019, I guess maybe what grade would you give performance to date at both the full line and the rack? What gives you confidence in market share opportunity exiting the crisis, and any opportunities you see to expand key vendor relationships, just given the broader consolidation of wholesale distribution?
2: Okay, thanks, Matthew. Uh yeah I, we're we're very encouraged with our top line uh, this last quarter uh, versus last year and versus two thousand and nineteen um, you know the sequential uh, improvement across the board both in RAC and nordstrom uh, is is significant and and certainly exceeded our expectations and our plans uh, it's you know things are changing quickly as as uh, the economy starts to open up and customers start to get uh, get out there again Uh, so uh, we remain uh, aggressive as as we get into Q2 uh, and we see lots of opportunities um, both to build on what we've been working on particularly the last year year over the pandemic where um, we invested a lot in our digital capabilities and the connections between our digital business and our physical business uh, we really see the opportunity for those investments to to pay off. Uh, And and the second big opportunity is categories. Again, as as a lot of big categories for us, categories where we know customers uh, place us top of mind uh, and kind of higher stakes dressing. uh, Those start coming back and and we see a lot of opportunity there. Um, Market share, you know, that that is the long-term standard we hold ourselves to is to grow market share. Um, certainly uh, during the pandemic, uh, that there were a lot of headwinds to that. But uh, as we start to come out of uh, the pandemic, uh, we think the opportunities of, of our model and, and our model is really grounded in two big brands, Nordstrom and Nordstrom Rack, uh, and having big businesses in stores and online. Uh, and, you know, we've been, over half of our business was online last year, uh, it's almost half of this last quarter, um, and and the scale across uh, those capabilities and how they're connected, uh, we've seen a lot of proof points over uh, over the pandemic of, of how customers like to shop, uh, fit with the capabilities we have, and uh, things like, like our market strategy uh, have, have shown uh, a lot of encouraging results uh, that uh, have us focused on, on scaling. Uh, as far as
4: key vendors, I, I think I'll pass that over to Pete. Yeah, um, I think I may have mentioned this the last couple calls. Is, you know, perhaps the silver lining of these tough times is that it's, it's uh, created a great opportunity to improve uh, relationships with, with key vendors because we got a lot of common issues to solve for. And, and I would tell you uh, where I feel like we're really advantaged that way is there's some stuff that uh, vendors really look to for us. First of all, it's our customer. We've got a lot of customers that are very attractive to almost every brand we do business with. And, and in many cases, these customers um, don't go to them directly. You know, they they like Nordstrom, and so. Uh, that's that's a big win for us. I think our capabilities, the investments that we made over the years in terms of our ability to to fuse the the digital part of the business with the physical assets and the stores and the people, you know, we're we're pretty far well along on that that journey. And I think those capabilities are attractive. Um, our service experience and the trust that they have with our brand, you know, these guys consult with customers directly. And so they're just not going to sell to anybody that doesn't, you know, really elevate their brand or at least, you know, execute it consistently with their vision. And you know, we we take a lot of, of pride and care in making sure that we're working with brands to bring their assortments to life. And you know, through wonderful service in our store, their people, and then the functionality that we have online. And then the last thing I would say is the consistency of our approach. Um, we've got a really talented. Merchandising team that you know our leaders have had a fair amount of longevity being in the business and there's a lot of really good relationships there and so there's a lot of trust that's been built up over the years particularly all the change that's happened around us um, that consistency I think has been really helpful so in the last 18 months we've spent a lot of energy you know really trying to work with and through our vendors to to kind of forge a new place to go and I think that openness and willingness on both sides is going to serve us well.
1: That's great color. Best of luck. Thank you.
0: Next is Mark Altschwager with Robert W. Baird.
1: Uh, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my question. <clears throat> Just wanted to follow up on the, the market strategy topic for a moment. Just to, <clears throat> any any metrics you can share on <clears throat> excuse me. Any metrics you can share on uh, trends in some of your key markets where the, the market strategy has been in place the longest uh, versus the broader fleet. Um, you know curious what you're seeing in terms of customer engagement in these local stores um, as the reopening has progressed. Um, and then relatedly, just what are some of the key learnings, I guess, from the rollout over the past couple of years that you think can help accelerate the results as you move to the uh, new markets in 2021? Thank you.
2: Uh, thanks, Mark. Uh- Yeah, I guess a a couple of uh, data points we'd we'd share with you. It's, uh, as we mentioned, uh, market strategy is now in our top 20 markets, uh, which is about 75% of our sales. Uh, We uh, rolled out in October, November last fall, uh, including our our racks in that. uh, And uh, that's uh, led to a significant uptick uh, in order pickup and ship to store to, to all of our racks there in, in our market strategy regions. Um, our order pickup has more than doubled versus 2019. Uh, nearly one-third of Nordstrom.com purchased next-day pickups in these market strategy markets are picked up at rack stores, and I think that's a real important one. Uh, it, it goes to... Uh, Again, these, these assets that we have, our physical assets are Nordstrom stores and Nordstrom rack stores. You know, we got about 250 Nordstrom rack stores, uh, and they provide very convenient uh, pickup points for customers. And, uh, and we really didn't have to market it. Uh, lighting up that capability uh, to have a, a, about a third of our Nordstrom.com purchases go to uh, be picked up at, at rack stores, uh, our next day pickups, is, is significant. Um, and uh, it's uh, the other factoid I'd share with you is just as our, our salespeople, as they uh, can engage with customers and take advantage of our capabilities. Uh, over over half of our salespeople are now using our remote styling tools, which is up from 10% just uh, in Q4. So we've gone from 10% of our salespeople in Q4 to over 50% in Q1. Uh, and uh, so we see that that trend uh, continuing, and uh, part of it is the digital tool that uh, our salespeople have, but, but the other part is the access to, to merchandise for their customers, and uh, that provides greater selection uh, and faster delivery. Uh, you mentioned locals. Uh, locals, uh, we actually saw uh, recovering our lo- locals. Uh, service hubs to be faster than our, than our stores uh, in both New York and in Los Angeles. Uh, and, and I think it makes sense. It's uh, in the context of a pandemic where uh, customers may be uh, more uncomfortable coming into a, a big store to have a neighborhood service hub uh, where they can do an order pickup, do a return, do an alterations. Uh, we saw that, that traffic come back uh, the fastest.
0: Thank you. Next is Steph Wissink with Jefferies.
3: Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. We wanted to focus on anniversary sale a bit more if we could. I think you mentioned choice counts up double digits, but can you talk a little bit about the level of fashion in this year's sale relative to maybe the last few years? Are you able to take more risk without the inventory risk as you leverage some of your vendor partnerships in a new and different way? Thank you.
4: As Pete. That's a great question. I, um, I think that the thing that's made that a little more complicated is just how much things have changed relative to consumers' demand given the macro conditions that we've been in. I mean, you know, we planned this event quite a bit out in the future, and if you're thinking about what was really important for customers six months ago, it's a little bit different than what we know today. And we, we put off buying decisions as much as we could on commitments, knowing that this was evolving. So I'd like to think that we're going to nail it right on the head, but I think it's it's going to be challenging, again, just knowing that there's this tipping point about people resuming social occasions, activities, where to work, back to campus, and that stuff. So, again, six months ago, that wasn't abundantly clear. So, um, you know, we do know that uh, there is part of that sale that's about people replenishing things that they would expect from Nordstrom, but usually the thing that really drives it is a reason to buy something new. So that that's always true, and I think that there's that orientation to it um, at all times. So you know, we feel good about it. There has been some increased flexibility and choice given dropship, um, but we you know we 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 went into it relatively conservatively knowing that we need to sell through it well to put us in a good position for half two. And ultimately, I think, as we've been talking all along, we've got to set the table for a really strong half two, and we feel really good about that relative anniversary.
0: Thank you. Next is Chuck Grom with Gordon Haskett.
4: Hey, uh, question for Ann. You're forecasting operating margins of of three percent in '21. I think you said that there's the potential to get up to three and a half percent. But bigger picture, you know, can you hold our hands on when you think you can back can get back to the five to six percent level that you were a few years ago? And and also as a follow-up, with with all the cost reductions you've made, what the pipeline needs to look like to get there?
3: Yeah, Chuck, so when we think about the recovery and uh, just I would refer you to some of the information we shared with you at our investor event uh, back in early February. So there's a lot of puts and takes in this, and I think what what we tried to do was um, not knowing the pace of recovery, both from a customer demand but also from a cost environment, we, we're continuing to, to think through or, or watch and, and and figure out how we're gonna deliver on, on some of these things as well. So as far as the pace, we're very confident we're gonna deliver, it's just the the timing and pace. So as we go through this, the thing that I would draw your attention to is that we ran some scenarios um, and laid out those for you in February that with the cost reductions we took uh, and, and our overhead expenses, we require about a billion dollars less than top line in order to deliver a similar margin uh, Uh, profile that we had in 2019. And similarly, if you had the same sales level uh, from 2019, it would well exceed the 6% um, EVIT margin. So it's really about the demand recovery as well as um, some of the macro um, uh, cost wins that we're seeing right now that we're working to offset. So don't have a a finite
0: timeframe for you, but I would just say that we're working actively to get to that point. Next is Lorraine Hutchinson with Bank of America. Thanks. Good afternoon. Uh, just focusing on Rack for a moment, um, are, are you, were you
3: able to move through the carryover products from the fourth quarter completely? And then are you happy with the level and content of inventory at RAC as you move into the
0: spring and summer season?
4: Yeah, you know, our, our inventory level is in pretty good shape. Um, with the rack, we continue to work through some of the clearance stuff, and that's that's you know our typical um, end-to-end process as It works through what we might have in the, the Nordstrom stores, and it works its way through. But um, we're we're in good shape relative to our our rack inventory levels. I think, in, especially considering the improving sales trends that are happening there. And so, I, you know, the way that we look at inventory is not based on the moment in time that we hit, ended last border, but as we have the amount of supply we need going in uh, to Q2. And I'm sorry, and the second part of your question, the rack was what? About the rack.
3: I was just curious about um, if you're happy with the level and content of inventory as you enter spring and fall.
4: Yeah. Um, again, I, I think it's, it's the same thing. We're, we're, we're working through all that, and the thing that's going to advantage us over time that we tend to work on it. The theme everywhere is speed and agility and where we can shorten up our lead times around commitments and inventory, particularly in that channel, you know, we're, we're gonna be advantaged and these are things that we're consciously working on to increase flexibility as, you know, customers' needs and demands uh, evolve. And,
3: and just to add to that, you know, when we look at the rack inventory levels as far as uh, what's coming through from a, uh, from a transfer from, from our Nordstrom brand versus what we're going through on clearance, it is um, really clean com- uh, and, uh, versus what we started with uh, um, Q1. And when we look at it compared to pre-COVID levels, uh, it is exactly in line with what we had seen prior to COVID happening.
1: And now we'll take one more question.
0: Our last question is from Simeon Siegel with BMO Capital Markets thanks
1: hey uh good afternoon everyone um just quickly to clarify on the outperforming markets, how are those southern market store reps relative to their own twenty nineteen levels and then and can you just just to follow up the is there a difference or how do you think about the difference in profitability that you book for dropship versus the own inventory sales and then any way to think about how large uh, you expect that to get as a percent of the business
2: thanks uh on the the outperforming markets, uh, yeah, we haven't we haven't broken out our our regional performance by uh, against 2019. I'll I'll say we still uh, have a bit of a gap there, uh, but it's uh, we have a number of stores uh, right now who are exceeding their uh, their 2019 levels. So it's uh, uh, the trends all in the right direction. Uh,
3: as far as the you know, the dropship piece, I, I would. We frame it up a little bit differently and uh, refer you to some of the investor event uh, materials that we had laid out. You know, over time, over the next three to five years, we think the mix of our assortment is going to be moving um, to be about 50% wholesale model, about 20% of our Nordstrom branded goods or private label, and the remainder being alternative partnerships, of which uh, would be uh, dropship would be part of that. So, you know, this is kind of our this is our first phase of the alternative partnership component to it. Um, but what I would say is the profitability journey on that particular customer journey is, is very much in line and, 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 a bit of, and above the average of what we look at for um, some of the other um, fulfillment journeys.
1: Great. Thanks a lot, guys. That's a lot for the rest of the year. Thank you. We want to thank you for joining today's call. A replay along with the slide presentation and prepared remarks will be available for one year on our website. Thank you for your interest in Nordstrom.
0: This concludes today's teleconference. You may disconnect your lines at this time. Thank you for your participation.